chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, which we already did that a few weeks ago. So we'll be in Luke chapter 4, and it will be verses... It will be verses 31 to 44. Now there's, there's a story I came across that illustrates exactly what I want you to take home today about getting involved. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story, and it only, it's, it's told from a first-person point of view. And so I'm going to try to tell it for a two, two-sided point of view, and I'm going to use Noah as my other name. So the name that's actually part of the real story is Kyle. Uh, but there was, there was this boy who was walking home from school. And I don't know where the school's out. Pick a city, pick a town. This really did happen. And while he's walking home, he sees the, another kid, another boy carrying all his books and everything. And it's a Friday. And the, the, uh, Noah, the kid who is wondering, why is Kyle carrying all his books home with him? It's a Friday. I have plans for the week, and I'm going to go play football with my friends and have a party. What is he doing? Well, as he's watching this boy, wondering what's going on, a bunch of other kids run up to, to Kyle, and they, they kind of push him around, knock his books down, knock him through the ground, and his glasses go flying. Well, Noah walks up to him. I mean, he walks up. He kind of watches this, and he, he, he picks up the kid's glasses, and he hands them back to Kyle. And Kyle just has this, this really sad, defeated look on his face. And a tear rolls down his eye, but when Noah hands him his glasses, he just has this hope in him. He has this excitement that somebody actually cares about him and what he went through. And from that experience, this relationship was born between these two men, or these two young men. Uh, the next day, Noah invited Kyle to come play football with him and his friends. And uh, Monday morning, when they were walking back to school, there was Kyle with all these books. And uh, Noah's teasing him about carrying all these books, so Kyle just says, here, you take half of them. And, and they made it to school. Well, over the next four years, they become best friends. And everybody kind of starts to like Kyle, and, and life is good. And they're, they're thinking about going to college because by this time they're seniors. Noah wants to go this way on a football scholarship to learn business, and Kyle's going to go this way to become a doctor. And on graduation day, the valedictorian, which is Kyle, gets up to speak. And he says, when you, when you get up to, to give a graduation speech, you're supposed to thank all the people who meant something to you, your teachers, your classmates, he says, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Um, and he, he started telling about that day, about this day when he got pushed down and how Kyle had kind of come to his aid and kind of, been, kind of saved him and kind of helped him. And he told how that day when he was going home with all his books and all his extra clothes, he was going home to take his life because he had no friends at school and he didn't want his mom to have to go to school and clean out his locker so he brought all the stuff home with him. And how because Noah had been so nice to him and became his friend, it stopped the track that he was on. And his parents appreciated the fact that Noah had took an interest in their son. Today we're talking about getting involved. And you have no idea what impact what you do is going to have on somebody else. And, and Jesus, when he's here in Luke chapter 4, uh, he's, he has this opportunity to get involved. Now, his opportunity to get involved is not going to look like your opportunity to get involved. Because when Jesus had an opportunity to get involved, he was up speaking in front of people during a church service. Now, there's only about one or two of us who actually get up here. During his time to get involved, there was a guy who was demon-possessed. 
and who was, who was yelling at Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never knowingly come across somebody who's demon-possessed. And Jesus also did, miracle, he did a miracle, and he cast out this demon. I can't do miracles. And so, but this does apply to us. There's going to be a way to look at it to see it applies to each and every person, and that is to get involved. Now, for Jesus, he's preaching in the synagogue. So, Luke chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, it says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath day began to teach the people. <clears throat> they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. Now, a synagogue, you can picture something like this. It would not look this elaborate. You know, picture of four walls, and you've got some kind of seats. You've got benches, or you've got the floor, or you've got some kind of wooden chairs that are set up. And you have somebody up front who is, who's reading from the scriptures and who is expounding on them to say this is what it means. And so this, that's the situation here. I'm not picturing windows, just, just something, back walls all the way up to here. You have women sitting on this side, men sitting on this side, and everybody's just sitting there listening to what the speaker is saying. And this was his custom. He went from town to town to share a message. He went to, and he shared the good news of the kingdom of God. And we saw last week how that was Jesus coming to share the good news that your sins could be forgiven, that you didn't have to carry the weight of the guilt of what you've done to, to make people see that they needed a Savior. And he went from town to town. And so no doubt this is the message that he's sharing with these people. Well, and as he's doing this, all of a sudden, he gets an unexpected interruption. Verses 33 to 34. It says, In his synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. And he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, if you, if you can imagine that kind of situation, <laughs> that kind of situation, I bet... If you were to pick where Nicole's sitting right now and she just started yelling that at me, what everybody else would do, all of a sudden everybody's jumping out of their seat and trying to get away from her. And I can imagine that's what's going on here. Everybody is just kind of freaked out and it's very unexpected to everybody. And it's right in the middle of a service. I mean, I, that's just awkward. You know, I, I had that happen once, not a demon-possessed person, but... I was sharing a message of, about Christmas and how Mary and Joseph were, uh, how they were engaged to be married, and it was so strong as if they were married that you would get a divorce. And, and some lady sat in the back and started arguing with me right during church. And this was like, I was like 20 years old, one of the first few times I ever preached, and boy, did that just completely throw everything off kilter. I mean, everybody was completely thrown off. So I can imagine if somebody's yelling, and then it's a demon-possessed person, how that just really stirs everything up. And Jesus, he wasn't phased. Jesus got involved. He says, be quiet. Come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them all, and he came out without injuring him. And I picture this demon-possessed guy, you know, he's, he's got free reign to move because everybody's running away from him. And he kind of comes out in the aisle, and he's yelling, and he's shrieking, and everything is stressful, and it's very scary. And Jesus commands the demon, get out of him. Now, I don't know where the demon went, because it doesn't say he bolted through the door. It doesn't say he, he just disappeared. Who knows what happened? But it's a very scary situation. And Jesus immediately gets involved. He didn't wait 
He didn't just tell the demon to shut up and wait till I'm done. Um, he didn't say just wait until I'm done preaching. He didn't wait for a more convenient time. That problem came up right now. He says, I'm going to deal with it. And then, of course, news about him spread everywhere. Verses 36 to 37, it says, All the people were amazed, and they said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out of him. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. You can only imagine everybody thinking, Now what happened? How did he do that? What did he say? How could this guy, how, how could this guy do this? Where is my social media device? You know, where's my cell phone? This is going to go viral. Oh yeah, those things were not invented yet. But those, the people, you know, the people I'm sure were just as fast as those temple doors opened, those people were running outside, and they're telling everybody, I don't know you, you got to hear the story. And it would just go from town to town. Some guy on a donkey is just traveling through, you grab him, say, guess what happened? And he goes, okay, okay, and now I know, and i got to go speed up the donkey to get to the next town, and i got to share this good news of what Jesus did. Now, Jesus experienced a very unexpected interruption, and Jesus got involved anyway, which is exactly what we need to do. Like I said, you're not going to probably be the one up here speaking. I mean, if anybody wanted to get up here, I know how scary it is, like the first few times, people are like, no way, I don't even want to get up there. So you're not going to probably be up here. No demon-possessed people are hopefully, I hope not, ever going to come in here and start screaming. And we, don't, we can't do miracles. But what we can do is get involved in other people's lives. Now, kids who go to school, they have a pretty routine way of doing things. You get to school at just the right time, you sit in the same seat, you, you have the same buddies that you sit and talk to when you have lunch, the same kids you play with at recess, the same after-school activities. Well, one day this week, Noah might have an interruption. There may be, he might be out there playing tag or playing soccer, and some kid comes up to Noah and says, Hey, Noah, can I play? I know I'm only in the fourth grade and you're a fifth grader. Can I, can I play? And this kid is not very well-liked, or he's not very athletic. And Noah's got to make a decision. Am I going to jeopardize myself and my ability to play with everybody? Or I'm going to say, no, squirt, get away, and when you get bigger, maybe you can play. It could be an interruption. You know, even the big kids who say, we don't have recess. You guys have routines, too. You guys get to school, and you got your same buddies who meet at the same time around the car or in the lunchroom. And you guys, you guys know what it's like to, hey, I, I know these guys. We, we all are homies. We like to hang out. And then if you, you might be interrupted by just... Just a passing glance, you just notice somebody sitting on the sidelines that's looking very unhappy. They might be crying, they might just look sad. That's an option, that's a possibility for an interruption. You can go and, and connect with that person. Are you just going to ignore them and just act like I didn't see that? Or are you going to say, I recognize there's an issue, I'm going to go. Like Noah went through Kyle, I'm going to go and see if I can get involved and help this kid. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to get involved. It could happen. Everybody who goes to work, I know there's a routine there. I mean, here, this, this routine is a very much different, but I know when you go to work every single day, you have a routine. Either you're punching in, you see the same people, hey, how was your weekend? And you connect. 
And I know at work you have buddies. These are the people I like to hang out with. And I don't get along with that group. And I like these people. And, and life is good. Well, you might face an interruption this week as well. You might, you might see somebody who, who you've never talked to that looks like they are having a bad day. You don't know why. Maybe it's the death in the family. Maybe it's some kind of sickness. Maybe somebody's been in an accident. Maybe it's just some kind of terrible news. But when you go to work this week, there might be somebody that you look and see, boy, that person just looks like, I don't even want to go over there. You know, especially as a guy, what do you say to comfort somebody? You know, that's hard to do. But you might find yourself in a situation where you look and say, hmm, I don't think I want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I got my buddies, we got our jokes, we got our stories, and I could just eat up all my time, but there's a possible interruption. Are you going to go get involved? Now, if you're a homemaker, you can face interruption. You, you guys have routines too, right? You just barely throw the kids out the door, and then you're like, Okay, good, I got just enough time. I got to vacuum and pick up. And I know Leslie shampooed the carpet twice in one day <laughs> because of kids. And it's like, I, I know what I'm doing. And you rush around from one thing to another. Once you finally get done, you just sit down and relax. I mean, if you can get to that point. I don't know if you do or not. But if you can, we well, might be interrupted too by a phone call or somebody stops by and visits. But it's not the person who's your best friend that's calling you for a visit. It's somebody that you know, if, they, if you let them in or if you pick up that phone, you're going to be on the phone for a long time. And this might be the only peaceful minute you're going to have to yourself today. Are you going to get involved? Are you going to say, no way, these, these moments are too precious, I'm not going to do it. And if you're retired, you may not have a routine the same way as somebody who goes to work. But I, I know what it's like to make plans. And you, you start going to the store. To, to, you got a project and you want to build something or you want to cook something. And you see some other person, old, young, doesn't matter, who's struggling to find something. And you have the option to say, I'm going to go get involved and help this young punk find these are the, the screws you need for this project or these spices are going to work better with this meal. Or you can say, hey, he'll learn the way I did. Good luck trying to figure it out and get my stuff, and I'm out of here. It could happen. I know it's hard to get involved. And in a few minutes, we're going to look at why it's hard to get involved. I know it is hard to get involved. If it was easy, we probably wouldn't talk about it. It wouldn't be something that we could find in the Scriptures. Now, I'm not saying that you have to get involved at each and every possible little situation. But you guys know as well as I do Every day when you go to the store to, to, to buy something, there's not somebody there you need to help. Every time you finish cleaning the house, somebody I don't think is calling you on the phone or stopping at your house. Every day you go to work or to school, there's not some kid who's asking you to play with them or somebody who's having a bad day that needs some comfort. When the time comes, though, are you going or are you willing to get involved? And that's, that's a huge challenge. And, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And when Jesus got involved with, his, with this demon-possessed man, it said a lot to a lot of people. It proved to everybody that Jesus cared more about this demon-possessed man than what he was saying. I, I'm more about the person than about getting the job done. 
Because when, like, if, if I'm up, like I told you, when I was preaching that day at that Christmas service, I'm on a roll. Please don't stop me. Please don't do anything that interrupts me. I'll, I'll pick on people in the audience, but I don't want interruptions. You know, he says, it's more about you. One person getting this demon cast out of him than all these other people hearing what I need to say. It proves that Jesus had the power over Sin over Satan. Sure, this guy got into the temple. I don't know how. Maybe he walked in looking just like me, and then all of a sudden just starts screaming and yelling. But it showed that Jesus had the power over the demons. If Jesus said nothing, it would show he didn't care. If he said, get out of him, and he could not do it, news is going to spread like wildfire anyway. But because he had this opportunity, it was an opportunity for Jesus to prove himself to everybody who's eyes are glued to this man and glued to Jesus, that Jesus has proven to them, I love people. I have the power to do this. If I can do this, you can trust me to do something greater. And if that experience never happened, I bet there's people in that, in that little synagogue who would have said, yep, that's a nice message, and they would have left. And they never would have thought twice about that day. But because of that experience, people are like, Okay, he can do this. I, he, he cares enough to get involved. I'm going to follow what this guy has to say. In your bulletin, uh, you have this quote from Theodore Roosevelt. You probably have all heard it before. It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you, if, if you I mean, I, I've mentioned here uh, about sharing the gospel with people, and, and it's real easy. There's a neighbor here where, I haven't done the greatest job yet of showing him how much I've cared. It was real easy to say, here's the gospel, but I've got I to gotta do more than just say, hey, here's what I know, here's what you need to know. I've got to get involved in this person's life in order for him to even care about what I'm saying. And if you're willing to, to deal with that kid, that, the, the little kid who wants to play at recess with you, or if you're willing to go talk to your coworker, or you're willing to, to let that lady in, who, who wants to talk your ear off or, or help somebody at the, at the grocery store or at the hardware store complete a project, it's going to say a lot to that person. I mean, it may just be the beginning of something. Because they may, they may see that you do that and they find out, oh, a kid goes to Awana. Okay, maybe I'll come and they're going to hear the gospel. Maybe they'll walk through the door and they'll be, you're the only person I know, but I remember what you did for me. Maybe it was three years ago or maybe it was yesterday but they're going to immediately have a connection with you that they're not going to have with anybody else. And everybody has this connection with Jesus, but especially this guy who is demon-possessed. <clears throat> now, I, I, when Jesus did this miracle, when he cast out the demon, his name spread like wildfire everywhere. Now, I, I can't promise you or guarantee that if you let some little kid play soccer with you, the whole world's going to know if you talk to somebody at work who's having a bad day, everybody at the work's going to even care. I can't promise you that. But you don't know. It could be the start of something, like I just said. It could be the start of a, of a, of a friendship. The kid who plays soccer, they might be your best friend for the rest of life. It doesn't matter how many miles there are between you. But I know when you get involved for one little thing, it's not usually just one little thing. When Jesus got involved, for one thing, his whole day became a day of involvement in the lives of a bunch of different people. If he would have ignored that situation, 
he could have went home after after the synagogue, took a nap, you know, had some lunch, and just kicked back the rest of the day. But because he got involved, he got way more than he bargained for, way more than he expected. And the same thing's going to happen with us. For Jesus, it says, verses 38, uh, it says, Jesus went, left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help. Oh, by the way, Jesus, I know you cast out a demon. I bet you could do this. Could you please take out, uh, to help her with her headache? And so he bent over and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. But that's not the end of the story. You find out in verses 40 to 41. When the sun was setting, people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. And he laid his hands on each one and he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Even more. It says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. When they, tried, uh, when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. So Jesus has, has cast out a demon in the, the synagogue, and then it turned into... Uh, taking away somebody's headache to turn into multiples of people coming to him from all over, and he's healing these people. And then the next day when he's trying to leave, people are saying, no, stay. We want to keep you here. You do good things for us. When you get involved, you're going to probably find out that it's worth more than you bargained for. Like in the bulletin, there's this catchy little cartoon of the Samaritan, I hope everybody gets a good laugh. He says, don't get too excited, fella. I'm the mediocre Samaritan, and I, and I only give you a Band-Aid, and then I'm off. This guy is laying on the ground. He's bleeding. He's got all sorts of issues, and all this guy wants to do is say, here, I don't want to get involved. I just want to give you a little Band-Aid, say I did something, and then I'm off because I don't want the whole headache. You know the story of the good Samaritan? He got involved. He put the guy on his own donkey. He bandaged his wounds. He took him to the hospital. He paid for what this guy needed. And he said, when I come back, because I'm not the doctor, when I come back, I'll pay for whatever bill has accrued. Now, that's, that's, to me, that's a huge example of getting involved. But this guy said, I'll put a little band-aid and say I did something, because then I feel better. And when you get involved, you, you might find yourself getting far more than you uh, uh, bargained for. The student who is willing to invite that little kid to come play soccer, he might all of a sudden not be playing with the big kids anymore because they didn't want that kid in the first place. That's why he wasn't playing. But that kid may become your best friend just like Noah and Kyle became best friends. You, may be, you don't know what you're doing that's going to have an impact on that kid. That's a great, happy little example of getting involved. I could live with that. If, if, if I let a little kid play soccer with me, he thinks I'm his hero, Awesome. I can handle that. But maybe out in the workplace, you might get more than you bargained for. You, you might get more than you want. You know, if you, if you go talk to somebody who's got aches and pains, you might get let in on some deeper family hurts and some deeper struggles. It may be financial issues. It may be somebody who's, got, who's dealing with death or they got a terminal cancer that they don't know how to deal with and they're just overwhelmed. And they may in a way, invite you in because you cared, and they, each day they're going to maybe want to talk to you about this. They may say, hey, can you help me 
Uh, I need a break from, from Grandpa. I'm trying to take care of him. I need help building a ramp. And then when the time comes, could you please come to the funeral? Instead of this one thing that's like, I'm just going to go be somebody's pal and, and try to cheer them up, could turn into two months worth of taking care of them or, or, and being involved in their lives. Anybody want to get involved now? I have my own life. I have my own family. I have my own hobbies. <clears throat> if, you are, if you are a homemaker, you know, you, you're the one that's just like, thank you, God, for five minutes without my kids. They're taking their nap, and I don't have to deal with them anymore, and all of a sudden somebody shows up. You know, you might get let in on, I mean, you let the, the gal in, and she may talk to you off for one day, you know, for 15 minutes, and that was your 15 minutes of peace, and that's it, but maybe that's all this lady needed. Or maybe it's going to turn into, you know what, Stephanie? You know what, Leslie? You know what I need tomorrow? Can I come over tomorrow? And can I help you with, I mean, can you, can you, I, I just need grown-up talk. Please, I'm tired of little kids. Because you're the people I think of, even though Leslie's kids are, are, you know, at school. But I just picture, like, I need motherly grown-up talk. You might, you might, you might get it, invited into, um, I, I don't have the patience to deal with my kids. I can't stand my husband. I can't stand my life. And you're going to be the person who gets somebody yeah, Shad, she loves you. I saw that. Yeah, I'd be saying Leslie can't stand me either. That's a problem with picking on people, actually. I didn't mean that. Um, but you might be let in on somebody's journey for the next three years. I just need to come over once a week for coffee. And I need to talk through things. And I need. And who knows what kind of involvement that is. And I'm saying this was not your best friend. If it's your best friend, yeah, come over every single day. And I love it. But somebody who's a little awkward or somebody I don't quite jive with wants my attention, I don't want to get involved. Are you willing to get involved? Even if you're, if you're retired and you, you choose that one time to get involved, they may say, hey, I'm not going to pick on anybody else. Uh, could you help me with this project? Because I'm just not sure I understand how to do this. And so you go over and say, okay, well, fine. I can wait till my project until Saturday. I'll come over and help you with yours. Well, all of a sudden, this project gets bigger and bigger. There's more and more involved. And you end up helping them with this project, and they want you to help with that project for the next two months. And you're not even getting to your own project that you wanted to do. Anybody want to get involved? No, most people don't. I mean, there are people who will get involved because, uh, like, police officers. You know, there was a story uh, a couple weeks ago about a police officer who drowned trying to save a lady trying to commit suicide. There's, there's firefighters who go into houses and they, they work on burning mountainsides to try to save things. They'll get involved. There's teachers who will bring lunches to, their, to some kid in their class who doesn't have a lunch or they'll spend uh, extra time to, after school to help a student. Or even neighbors who will start a GoFundMe account because somebody's gone through some major traumatic issue. And there's, there's people who will get involved. But I'm not talking about just because I'm a nice guy. I don't want, it's not supposed to just stop with you're getting involved because you're a nice guy. Jesus has a bigger reason for getting involved. In verse 43, it says, This is why Jesus is leaving, even though they want him to stay. He says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns, because that is why I was sent. Jesus came 
to preach the good news. And I don't think even that day when all these people came to Jesus, I don't think he just sat in a chair saying, here's a miracle, here's a miracle, here's a miracle. Like, here's, here's a sucker, here's a sucker to keep people happy. He wasn't just a machine giving out miracles. Jesus had a bigger purpose in mind. Yes, there's all sorts of people who are hurting and all sorts of people who need you to get involved. But the reason why Jesus was doing that wasn't just to become famous. His, his goal was to make people ready and willing to accept the gospel when he was going to share it with them. And so I want to challenge you just the same as I want to challenge me is, is to, to help people out, get involved. It takes time, it takes money, it takes sacrifice to get involved in other people's lives. But that's exactly what Jesus did. And he didn't do it just to become famous. He did it because he wanted his message to come with power and proof. And if we do the same thing, if we'll get involved in other people's lives, we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And it's going to mean a whole lot more if I've invested in their life. And that was the only thing you didn't find in this one illustration was uh, Noah invested into Kyle's life. And everything was great, but you don't ever hear... Noah sharing the gospel with him. But if he had, I bet it would have meant an amazing amount. Four years ago, you got involved when I needed it the most. I'm going to listen to every single thing that you have to say. Let's get involved, and let's make sure that we use that as an opportunity to share the gospel with other people. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this message. God, I know I'm challenged by it. I know it's not always convenient for me to get involved. You know, I, I just... I know, I know what it's like to be busy and to have a family and to have my own plans. And I just pray that you would show me, God, when I need to get involved. And for everybody here, I just pray that for the next opportunities that we have to get involved, we'll take those. And I pray that we'll have the patience and the wisdom of how to deal with those situations. And I just pray that we take the opportunity you give us to share the gospel, whether it's that day or whether it's three years from now. And I just pray that you would help that uh, message to come with power as if you were giving it yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.